Welcome to the first edition of the Nothing But Nylon podcast. I'm Dan Williams here with Nick Flaherty, and we're going to jump straight into the NCAA tournament, which has reached the final stages. As we all know, we now have the final four of Loyola Chicago, Kansas, Villanova, and Michigan. Obviously, so we have Loyola Chicago in the final mm-hmm. four, Nick. We know there's been quite a lot of chaos that has gone on. We have UMBC beating Virginia. We have Arizona, another favorite that lost in the first round as well. So what I want to ask you is, how was your how was your bracket affected by all the chaos that went on? Yeah, well, you know, first of all, thank you for having me on the show, Dion. It was uh, it was it was busted pretty quickly. Uh, you know, come on and commiserate with everybody here. But uh, I lost out on uh, Virginia in the first round uh, to UMBC. I had them actually going all the way to the championship game and losing to Villanova. Uh, my original Final Four was Virginia, Michigan, Villanova, and Duke. I have half of that intact as we go to the final my, my bracket's somewhere in the garbage can though so i could care less at this point <laughs> yeah i mean my bracket was pretty tanked as well i mean mm-hmm. i had arizona as my national champion you're doing picking arizona I, I i don't know it's it, it just felt right you know i was uh, like, listen we all know first of all the fbi wins in that matchup every time <laughs> but sean miller and his tournament records just ooh, every year like this now yeah i mean you traditionally you have your teams like you have your arizonas mm-hmm. and then you have your I think you could put Virginia in that category too of teams that always look impressive but just never. But yeah, just but they're usually the together. Sweet Sixteen is when they crash. Yeah, out. that's that is true. They do normally at least win a couple of games, and then Villanova used to be in that same category too until recently they started breaking that trend. But with with all the upsets, you know, you looked at the regions, and then you you saw the Loyola Chicago team obviously advancing, and then Virginia Virginia was also in that same bracket, mm-hmm. and so you look at, you look at that region and you see the Kentucky Wildcats. And we all rate Coach Cal as this high as this high tier coach, along with the Coach K as the Royal Williams. But would you say after another failed tournament, would you say that Coach Cal isn't meeting up to? Is he isn't meeting the expectations? You know, I think it's it's difficult to to have a conversation about Cal. I mean, everybody you know holds him in this high regard, and he does have a lot of wins to his 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 name and a lot of success at multiple programs smaller than Kentucky, uh, but. You know, he, he has, over the years, become a, a force in the recruiting world, that's for sure. He never fails to get top-end talent, or what at least appears to be top-end players, right, or we perceive as top-end guys. Um, you know, I, I think it's kind of fair at times to say that, that Cal falls short, short Excuse me, as a, uh, as a head coach. I think in-game, situationally, there are times you could certainly question X's and O's and, and his basketball strategy, and... You know he has his his share of national championships. I think it's three total. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, it's the John Wall Kentucky team. The he won one with Anthony Davis. Right, Cousins yeah. was there as well. So I believe it's three total national championships. He's come close other times. You had the you know the the heartbreak against uh, Kansas when he was in Memphis and Derrick Rose misses the free throws and Chalmers eventually gets to get in overtime. Uh, Cal's an interesting character. He's a guy that I think all basketball fans have a real opinion of and and you know you have his failed run in the NBA and and a lot of controversy over the years so he's an he's a difficult one to have a conversation about for sure yeah then i mean my opinion on Cal is like like you said i mean he's an excellent recruiter I mean, his pipeline mm-hmm. of players in the NBA is currently is just ridiculous to like you said John Wall Davis Cousins the list just goes on and on but 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 when you look at all those guys and then and then you see like his his actual resume in terms of the college something just doesn't add up i mean the team he had two years ago, Devin Booker is one of the biggest stars in the right. NBA offensively. Towns. Towns. They were undefeated. They were undefeated and until then they get to the tournament, obviously. I mean, anything can happen on the tournament. You have one bad day, and then your tournament's done, so you can't really 
discredit him too much for that year. But but when you have a guy like Devin Booker as the sixth man on your team, that pretty much shows his recruiting power. And so it's kind of so it's, you kind of scratch your head a little bit to say why hasn't this guy won more? Well, I think you know to your point, and and, and I think you hit the nail on the head, Dion. It is. The NCAA tournament is unlike any other, you know, professional professional or college sports postseason. I mean, you, you have the college football playoff now, but it's a one-off. Anything can happen in that one game, and, and if you have a, a bad day shooting the basketball or you, you struggle defensively, then yeah, you you will go out. And that, that that's the hard part where you're trying to sit here and talk about uh, a coach like Calipari who, who obviously knows how to recruit. He knows He knows the game of basketball inside and out obviously to get jobs at multiple programs to coach in the NBA for a few years, but he just doesn't seem to get over the hump. And and, and I do think at times you know, it would be a much different conversation if he only had one or, or no national championships to his name. He does have the three. And, and at the end of the day, you have to respect the rings on that. Yeah, I, I can agree with that statement as well. And then you touched on it a little bit with the beauty of the national of the college basketball tournament which allows a team like Loyola Chicago to make it to the Final Four. You've had your Butlers, your mm-hmm. George Masons. And now, I mean, while the beauty of a team making it this far is is a good thing to see, what would you say, is are, is a Cinderella team in the Final Four a good thing for the overall tournament? Or do you just want to see, like, a team, you know, win a couple of games, but but then you still want to, but do you still want to see, like, your Dukes and your Kentuckys at the end when it's all said and done? I think it's a great thing. We've seen in the last couple of years programs that have gone extremely far and – have done it out of nowhere. I, I think you know the best example of what it can do for a program and, and how it changes the course of what you're doing. I can two off the top of my head. I would say VCU uh, a few years back made it all the way to the Final Four, and you had just this Cinderella story. Unfortunately, he's no longer the coach there, but it was the springboard for Shaka Smart to go yeah. to another level. And he is an excellent basketball coach, and I think he's got a good thing going at Texas. They had some tough heartbreak in the first round this year against Nevada, I mean, where the they big, went out. Yeah, the Big 12 is just murderous. Right, row, it, right. So. And, and the Big 12 is the murderous row of college basketball conferences. Uh, I think you the other best example out there is is Wichita State. You know, they have now become almost a national power. They were ranked in the top 15 all year long. They were on the top 4 seed line uh going into the tournament this year and and the job that Frank Marshall's done there. They're not a one-off oh we went far in the tournament in one year. This has been a repeated, you know, undefeated regular seasons, winning two to three tournament games every year. They're a, a much bigger program now and what that does for a university and and what it does for you know the the players there are something that they'll never forget. I I don't see any harm in it. That's for sure. Yeah, you mentioned Wichita State, and then you have the Butler Bulldogs, mm. who who first came to notoriety under Gordon Hayward. I mean, they weren't that low of a seat as like a Loyola, but Butler hasn't been. Remember as well, they they are a big program in the state of Indiana. They may not be known as much nationally, but they they were never a a complete unsung story that, that no one was familiar with. They, they've they been around for a long time. They've been playing basketball for a long time. And, and you know, the, the, the Butler Fieldhouse is, as I'm sure, you know, you've seen before, it's it's a historic venue. It's up there with the assembly halls and Rupp Arenas of the national landscape. So they were different from the standpoint of they were a, a, a former national power that was on some harder times. But, you know, and, and you're right. They've joined the new Big East and, and they are doing just fine as a basketball program as well. Yeah, I mean, just to, just to like touch up on this topic a little bit at the end. I mean, while it while it is great, it also does have its downsides. When a team like Loyola does reach the Final Four, you don't want to ever discredit a team because they have come this far. So so they are proven that they can play. 
But when, but when you look at the Final Four, I mean, you have on one side, you have Villanova and Kansas, two traditional powerhouses. Mm-hmm. And then and on the other semifinal, you have Loyola, Chicago, and Michigan, which kind of makes the tournament look, which makes the Final Four look a little bit crowded towards one side. I mean, you, when you look at it, you're like, uh, the, the winner's probably going to come from the Villanova-Kansas game. I mean, you don't want to discredit anyone because when you reach this far, anyone has a chance, but it's hard not to get that thought in your head. Well, you know, every year is different, and, and the field varies so much. Uh, I personally was was down on Kansas. I had them losing to Seton Hall in the round of 32 in my original bracket. That was a very close game. Uh, I'm, I've been out on Kansas for a couple years now. I just don't feel like Bill Self you know, had the same run that he had at the beginning of his career there. Uh, but this year they have proved a lot of people wrong, and, and he talked about that a lot, about proving the doubters wrong after beating Duke and and. and Pulling off what was considered an upset, despite the fact that they were two top seeds. Duke had, you know, a number of players that everyone feels are NBA caliber guys, and uh, they were able to to pull that win out late and, and go into overtime and, and get it done. Uh, there are two blue blood blue bloods over there, excuse me, but I, I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't say Michigan isn't a basketball power. They are more traditionally a football school, that's for sure. But, you know, look, that's the home of the Fab Five. They were in the national championship game, I believe, four years ago with Hardaway and and, and, and that crew. They lost to Louisville. Uh, John Beeline is one of the best coaches in the country. And, and, you know, look, Loyola's a bracket buster, but, you you know, you don't want to take any credit for them, and, and, and your point is well made. But anybody who is trying to mitigate what they've done, I'm sorry, you 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 you've lost the plot on this. I mean, he, look, they're they're a tremendous story, and it's up to their opponents to beat them at the end of the day. And they got through a Miami team that I personally wasn't that surprised they beat. I didn't pick them to win the game, but I I could have seen them pulling the upset. Believe me, I've not watched any Loyola basketball <laughs> all year, but Miami I've watched a couple times in ACC play. And to me, they weren't anything special. I was very surprised they beat Tennessee. I thought Tennessee had a very strong team out of the SEC, co-regular season champions with Auburn, so I did not expect them to win that matchup. Uh, so they, they are an impressive story, and, and to win these games so tight and so late each time and, and just seem to have this never-say-die attitude, it's really impressive. Yeah, the never said attitude, and then and then you and then for Layla's case, you can say their last game was was their best performance of the tournament so far. They obviously Miami, they had the buzzer beater. Then the next two games were also decided within a mere couple of points, mm-hmm. and then they just absolutely dominated in the last game in the Elite Eight. So they're looking pretty good coming to the yeah. Final Four, which now brings us to what are, what are your predictions for the Final Four? Who do you, who do you have in the semis and ultimately the winners? I have uh, Michigan. Over Loyola, Chicago, you know, look, it's a tremendous story, but I don't think the glass slipper is going to fit for Cinderella this time. I, I just don't see it uh, coming down that way for them. Uh, and I have Villanova beating Kansas, and I'll take Villanova to win it all. They have been so good all year long. Jay Wright has exercised those tournament demons after finally winning a few years back against North Carolina. Uh, and now here they are, chance to do it again. Uh, the tournament's run by guard play, and you have a player like Brunson uh, running the point. Uh, they're just too hard to slow down, and I just I don't think Kansas has you know, to to beat Nova and Duke two games in a row. You have to repeat a flawless performance, and that's a big ask. Uh, the Jayhawks have had a great year, and they have come a lot further than I think anybody would have anticipated. But I just don't see them being able to pull it off twice. Yeah, I agree with you on with the Michigan Loyola matchup. Michigan from the Big Ten tournament, they were the three seed. They just got red hot, and that's that, yeah. that's part of the reason why when I was orig- initially doing my bracket, I was gonna pick Michigan in the mm-hmm. Final Four, but then I let my Tar Heel fanboy get yeah. to me and I ended up picking North Carolina. And then I was like, of course Michigan makes it. But I do agree with that matchup. But for the Kansas Villanova matchup, I don't know what it is. I, everything that you said about Villanova versus Kansas is exactly right. But 
for some for sometimes you just get like this little itch feeling where you just like this is the team's year to buck mm-hmm. the trend. And Kansas hasn't won one since that Mario Chalmers game back in like what two thousand eight two thousand and nine, yeah, and and I mean the the matchups the matchups are pretty much the same between Villanova and Kansas. They're they're both dominated by guard play. Not granted, Villanova's a little bit better down low than Kansas's, which is which is different for a Kansas team, which is normally dominated in the paint. But you when we look at Malik Newman and Devontae Graham, they just seem to get catch fire at the perfect time. I was going to say the key to that game is the play of Malik Newman. He was outstanding against Duke. He played out of his mind. I think it was the best game he's played at any point in his college career. So they need him to repeat that. Graham will show up and do his job. He did it uh, so far every game in this tournament. He's been great all year. It's that supporting cast for Kansas that leaves me uh, questioning. Yeah, Malik Newman definitely showed the country against Duke why he was a top considered a top five recruit coming out of high school. And then I just have. I'm just gonna continue to ride with Kansas. I'm gonna predict them to win it all again in a nice high-scoring fashion over Michigan. I'm gonna go with the final that I had when it was Arizona, Michigan State. I'm gonna stick with the 85-80. So hopefully, I can get something mm-hmm. right towards the end. But that just about wraps up the podcast for us today. I would like to thank you, Nick, for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Dion. And thank you, thank you for listening. And we'll tune in again next time.